Okay, testing, great, thanks so much, my bad. Uh, when we started reading this psalm, I don't know, you might have thought, this is a, not a very uplifting psalm for Mother's Day, right? Because what, what's the word that keeps showing up over and over again? It's uh, vain. It's, uh, next slide, please. Uh, vain. Or useless, worthless, meaningless. <laughs> uh, whether you're building a house, whether you're standing guard to watch and protect a city, uh, even getting up early, working hard, staying up late for food, this can all be useless. Useless, 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 vain, vain, vain. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. <laughs> but of course, I'm sure you've noticed, uh, this psalm isn't saying all building, all guarding is useless, uh, but it's only useless unless the Lord is at work building the house and watching over the city. And of course, now you might think, okay, it's a psalm of ascent, right? If we look into context, uh, the psalms of ascent are a series of psalms which are usually sung as God's people made their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem to celebrate some key festivals, right? Uh, this might have particularly started after they came back from the exile. Uh, so you would sing together as you walked with your community, your family together, as you ascended up the hill towards Jerusalem. And so in context, you might think, okay, uh, building a house. Maybe God is talking about building his house, his temple, rebuilding it after it was destroyed, right? Uh, maybe the city that God is watching over is the city of Jerusalem, which would make sense, wouldn't it? Uh, if we read Nehemiah and Ezra, God is indeed working to rebuild his city, uh, rebuild the city walls, even if there are numerous setbacks, even if there are enemies threatening the city. And that might be so, but if we read the psalm, the words house and city are so generic that you can't help but think maybe of your own houses, your own homes, your own cities, right? Uh, especially in verse 2. It moves towards working hard, working late to get food. And so it's everyday life, isn't it? And then the finger points the finger at you. In vain, you rise up early, you stay up late. This psalm starts to get a bit personal. But why is it meaningless? Why is it a waste? Why is it useless? Because on the one hand, if the God who is in control of all things isn't building our house, isn't protecting our city, then of course our efforts won't be productive, right? Uh, uselessly, in vain, you rise up early and you stay up late toiling for food to eat because perhaps it's just not productive if God's blessing isn't upon your work. But I think this psalm is doing more than simply stating God's sovereignty, right? That God is in control of all things. But rather, I think it's an attitude that this psalm is addressing. What's the attitude of the person that this psalm is speaking to in verses 1 and 2? Well, it seems to be speaking to someone who is self-sufficient, right? Someone who thinks that they can achieve, they can create, they can protect all by themselves. Someone who thinks that they can ensure that their possessions or the things that they treasure can be kept safe all by their own efforts. And in verse 2, it seems to be speaking not just of inefficiency, ineffective labor and toil, but also an attitude, a state of never being satisfied, never being content, a state of constant worry about 
not having enough, not doing enough for tomorrow. And so again, why is this so useless, so vain? Well, verse 2 ends, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Right? Blessing is when God gives us sleep. Now, it's Mother's Day today, and if you're a mum here, you're probably thinking, I don't need some bloke standing up here to tell me that sleep is a blessing. You're totally right, right? Once you've become a parent, you realize just how good sleep is. But here, the psalm wants us to realize that sleep isn't good simply for our physical well-being, right? right? Not to have brain fog all the time. That's not, that's not the point. But the psalm wants us to understand sleep theologically. Sleep is a blessing from God. God grants sleep to his beloved. It's a, it's a really intimate, a very personal word here, right? God grants sleep to his loved ones. Because God didn't make his world, God didn't make us in his image simply to be cogs in some sort of machine to churn out a bunch of products, right? Working non-stop in the most efficient way possible. So just as God created creation and rested to enjoy his creation, so too he created us in his image to rest, to enjoy God, to enjoy life with God. And so just to be clear, this psalm isn't telling us that we should therefore be lazy, right, to rest all the time by refusing to get out of bed and play video games all day. Remember, what is the attitude that's being addressed here? It's self-sufficiency. It's attempting to achieve all our goals without God in the picture. To say, I don't need God. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it all by myself. I don't even care, maybe, what God's will is. I'm still going to forge on ahead with my own plans. Or it might be just a subtle lifestyle of simply not considering God in our day-to-day lives. And this is what the psalmist says, useless, worthless, meaningless. Now, of course, this sounds all very negative, doesn't it? And as I was writing this sermon, I just thought to myself, you know, this is a psalm, right? It's meant to be sung. And so I wonder, what, what, what would it sound like for this psalm to be sung? So I, I Googled it, and I listened to a, a, a modern-day Jewish um, rendering of this psalm on YouTube, uh, and I was surprised to find that this was actually a really popular psalm uh, that Jews sing today. And it's, it's quite catchy, actually, and it, it's got a surprisingly upbeat tune to it. It might be a, a bit hard to wrap our heads around that at first, you know, bopping away saying, useless, useless, useless. Uh, but it is an uplifting song to sing because there's a natural upside to it, isn't there? Because as we read these verses, if we read it from the perspective of God's people, from the perspective that we are the ones that God loves, then it's actually saying God is building our house. God is watching over his city. God is granting sleep, right? Imagine yourself as one of those of God's people making your way up to Jerusalem to worship God. As we sing this psalm together, you know, imagine us as a church walking up to Jerusalem. The temple is being built. And for the Jews a few years later, the temple has already been built, right? Jerusalem, God's city, has been restored. 
It's a joyful psalm because we can look at what God has already done in Jerusalem and sing, yes, God is building his house. God is protecting his city. God is watching over us. And even so, as we continue to to build our own homes, as we continue to watch over our city, as we work for food, as we raise our families, we know that as people loved by God, God is behind the scenes working as we work. And the second half of this psalm that gives us sort of like a, a practical picture, an illustration of what that might look like in practice. But at first, it, it seems a bit odd, don't they, these, these uh, last few verses of the psalm. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Uh, in the original language, there's even an extra word added here to get our attention. Behold, look, children are a heritage, a reward. And look at the imagery here. It's a picture of readiness for war. (laughs) Children born while young are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Blessed is the man, or the same word as warrior above, blessed is the warrior whose quiver is full of them. Why? Well, because a person blessed with children will not be put to shame when the enemies literally meet them at the gates, right? So on one hand, you can imagine an army of your enemy approaching the city gate. You want your quiver to be full of arrows, right, when when they come. Uh, But in those days, gates can also be a place where justice is dealt, right? The community meets together to to settle disputes and all sorts of matters. Uh, and, And so the picture here is actually one of social standing. That's why the translation here says, at the courts, right? One blessed with children in his youth, when they grow up, they hold him with honor within the community. And so we might think, what what do these verses have to do with the first half of the psalm, right? But as we saw earlier, house can also mean household, right? And what's the foundational building block of the household that's being built, right? Who are those within the city that is being guarded and watched? It's the family, isn't it? And what are the signs that God is building a family? Well, many children being raised would surely be one of those signs, right? What is a sign of security of a city, right? Not just military security, but when these children are growing up to uphold the honor of their parents, when these children grow up to stand up for justice, that would be a sign of the security of a city, right? But there's more to it than that. Because while the first half shows us how useless everything is when it's done without God's blessing, the second half shows us how good it is when God is actually at work to bless us. Children born in our youth, that is our inheritance from God. Not just earned by working hard under obligation, it's a reward, so, so yes, it's a, it's a reward for work on our part, right? Parents need to put in the hard work of raising their kids, caring for their physical needs, emotional needs, and so on, raising them up in the ways of the Lord, teaching them and, and living out the gospel as we parent. But the reward, the gift at the end of it, is the picture that we see in verse 5, a full quiver on a day when our security might be at risk. We won't be put to shame when our enemies appear. Now, at this point, I just want to pause and state the obvious um, and to remind us that children are a blessing. 
Uh, and, and look, I, I know that we all know that here, don't we, right? Um, I, I look around and I see mums and dads pouring out their love, their energy, their sleep, sacrificing their sleep um, for their kids because we want to give the best to our kids, right? I know that I don't need to show you how sadly misguided the world's view is when it comes to kids, that, that somehow kids are a waste of time, they're a burden, they just suck the fun and joy out of our lives, I know you all know this, but I just really want to pause to let these words sink in. Children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a reward. If you have kids, you are blessed. Because, let's be honest, sometimes it can be easy to forget that. Uh, When our kids are having another meltdown, again, when we're exhausted from a full day working and we just want a bit of quiet, right? Sit on the couch without anyone disturbing us, but our kids won't stop nagging or fighting. At those times, remembering our kids are a blessing might be the last thing on our minds. But they are. They are. And so in those times, let's just remember to take a deep breath. Mind you, I I need to take my own advice here as I say this, by the way. In those times, take a deep breath. Maybe pray a short prayer to God. Thank Him for the wonderful privilege it is to be a parent and carry on loving our kids just as God loved us. Now, to be clear, again, this is a picture. It's an illustration of what it might look like to be working alongside God. Seeing children grow up is that natural example, right, of something that isn't just dependent on our efforts, right? Right? And so, yes, a husband and wife might choose to have kids. Yes, they might do all the research and and try to put all the energy into raising good, godly kids. But ultimately, it's God who, in His grace, grants us kids. And how the child grows up, there's just so many factors that are just out of our control, right? So it doesn't mean that those of us here without kids are not living the right way or anything like that. This is an illustration. Kids are a blessing, But it's not like saying it's the only blessing that God will give you if you live God's way. Let's just remember that. So we have the first two verses showing the uselessness of self-sufficiency. It's Not only is it not effective, but that the whole way of life is pointless, meaningless. It's, It's not what we were made for. But also, we see an example, a picture of what working together with God looks like children from the Lord, children who grow up to honor you, honor justice, honor God, children who in themselves are God's building and God's protecting made manifest. You who are God's people, don't toil anxiously, don't toil uselessly, trust in God to build, to protect, trust in God enough to rest and enjoy life under God. That's a big idea. And again, I think most of us get this already if you've been in church for a while. This is a message you've heard over and over again. Uh, Especially true when it comes to our own salvation, right? Um, Our being loved by God, our forgiveness by God. We know that God is the one who has rewarded us, gifted us with that free gift. If God hadn't sent Jesus to die for us, then no amount of work or toil or effort can buy back God's love. But do we get this when it comes to our own daily lives, right? Because it's not like God works one way in salvation, 
But then when it comes to looking out after our family, putting meals on the table, or, or working, or so on, God says, nah, you're on your own now, right? And I caught myself doing the same thing when I was writing this sermon whilst doing my other job. Uh, as many of you know, I've got another part-time job. Uh, so I got stuck in my other job on some programming task, and I got really frustrated that my code wasn't working the way I was trying to get it to work. And as I flipped between writing my sermon on this, on this passage and coding, I realized whilst I prayed for God to help me in my sermon, I hardly asked God for help when it came to my struggling in earthly matters, right? My problem with my other job, right? God loves us enough to send his son to die for our soul, but God is the one who is giving growth so that our toil would not be useless, won't be vexing, won't be anxious. And so why don't we invite God to help us with our daily struggles more often? And of course, that same thing goes for parenting as well. And so the first thing I want us to realize today, if you are a parent here today, is that we don't have to parent alone. And I don't mean, you know, teaming up with your husband or wife, but we have God on our side. We have God who loves our kids more than we could ever love them. We have God behind the scenes protecting and building. So let's ask him to help us when we are struggling. Let's thank him when we see the fruits of our labor that God blesses, right? Celebrate those milestones that our children reach day by day, year by year. But secondly, I want to take this idea from our heads and really put it into practice. Uh, That is, we all know that God is sovereign. He is in control of all things, including our kids. We know in our heads that we can't achieve anything without God's will and his blessing behind it. But the thing is, do our living, do our lives actually reflect that? As we read verse 2, is that a description of us, right? And so this might be a funny question for you to hear in a sermon, but how's your sleep going? I'm not a doctor here. I'm not going to diagnose any medical conditions affecting bad quality of sleep. Go to Alex for that afterwards. Uh, But what I mean is, what is your attitude when it comes to sleep? Is it something that you continually skimp on, cutting half an hour here, maybe an hour there? Because there's always something to catch up on. There's always something to fix that you haven't fixed. Let's just remember, sleep is good, right? Not just physically, theologically, spiritually. It's a gift from God. And of course, this, is ju- this isn't just for the mums out there. Mums do need sleep probably more than most of us but it's for all of us as well. Because I I think our attitude to sleep can actually be an indicator for our attitude to life more broadly. Do we stop to enjoy the life that God has given us? Or is it always just go, go, go? I need to do this. I need to achieve this. Make sure my kids have done all of this on top of their schoolwork. Or do we go to sleep trusting that God is building our home, our house? Yes, the the dishes might not be done tonight. Okay, the play area is a complete mess and we've got people coming over tomorrow. Sure, we, we might not be able to afford that family holiday overseas that I really wanted to take our kids to because I'm not working full time. But it's okay. God loves me. God wants me to rest as well as work. It's okay. God loves me and my family. He will build our home. He will watch over our city. Or maybe 
are we modeling a life of anxious toil to our kids, right? As we rush from this activity to that activity before school, after school, on the weekends, right? Trying to cram in as many extracurricular activities as we can. Things we wish that we, want, we could do when we were kids, right? Things that we know would help them to get ahead. Yes, 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 that's true. It's all done out of love. I don't want to critique anyone here. But let this psalm sink in, perhaps. Sleep, rest, enjoying God. That's the true blessing of God. Do you want your kids to enjoy life, to succeed in life? That's the blessing of God. And so, yes, we do work hard, right? Yes, we, we, we do want to get our kids to get ahead, but let's not do it in vain. Let's not miss the bigger blessing that's from God. Let's pause and trust that God loves you enough to build and protect. That trust that God loves our children enough to build and protect them. And again, that's not for just mums, is it? Whatever anxious toil you might be going through at the moment, take a pause and trust in God. Trust that God loves you. He loves you enough, in fact, to send Jesus to die for you. And so how about we end with Jesus' own words here to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are a God who created us for rest. Uh, we thank you that you want us to delight in you, to take the time to thank you, to take the time to enjoy the life that you have given us. And so, Father, as, as we work hard to build our homes, as we work hard for you to toil, to uh, be productive for your sake, Lord, help us not to miss the bigger blessing. And again, we thank you for all the hard works that the mums here and our mums have put in so that we could get ahead and, and that we could have a good life. Lord, help us to thank them today for what they've done and help them, Lord, to keep trusting in you for their love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.